Bang, bang. Welcome to the potty is brought to you by Bet with Joel. Now, Bet with Joel is a service that provides you with the best knowledge that there is out there in sports betting. You know, Bet with Joel. Joel was a a career sports better for the better part of 10 years. And he's been blacklisted from all bookmakers because he was winning too much. Seems like a bit of a stitch up to me. You know, that's some real fucking casino vibes. You know what I'm saying? That's some real, and I'm talking casino, Martin Scorsese, you know? Uh, Rob De Niro. Fucking who else was in that? Was Pacino in that? Or no, who's the little guy? Um, From, shit. The little one, man. You know, there's three of them. Pacino, De Niro, and fucking, Whatever, man. We're talking about bet with Joel. If you if you want to if you want to get a leg up on the competition, if you want to beat the bookies, and you sign up bet with Joel, betwithjoel.com slash ref. That's R E F slash Welcome to the Potty P O Double D Y. Enter promo code Potty Exclusive Fifty. That's Potty Exclusive Five Zero for fifty percent off your first week subscription, or Potty Thirty P O Double D Y Three Zero for thirty percent off of the NBA package. One of the one of the most lucrative packages is action every day, uh, but at the moment the AFL season has started up, and this is Joel's expertise right here. This is where he makes that money. Uh, the first first round of the AFL uh, absolutely outperformed itself, and uh, you know if if this trend keeps up, you guys are you guys are there ready to win a whole stack champs like Pringles, bro. Um, so welcome to the potty.com slash ref slash no that's false betwithjoel.com slash ref slash welcome to the potty enter promo code potty exclusive 50 or potty 30 welcome to the potty is also brought to you by phoenix fitness phoenix fitness has uh, they, they're, they're a supplier of uh, you know exercise supplements uh, merchandise you know you need you need some yoga pants to hold in your you know your fupa you know that that fat upper pussy area and i know they probably don't want me to say that in the middle of an ad read but who gives a fuck anymore bro you guys need to understand that if you don't look good you got to work it off or you got to hide it get some yoga pants suck that shit in get a waist trainer you know there's no science behind those but honestly get some protein level up you know start really working out those biceps those triceps you you got those tuck shop lady arms you look like you're going to take off on me you honestly look like you got wings, motherfucker. Get up and running. Get on the treadmill. Get on the bike. Get on the rowing machine. Get on the elliptical. Get some yoga pants and suck that gut in. You look like shit. Okay? And that's what Phoenix Fitness is all about. Making you look and feel better and hopefully live longer, you unhealthy motherfuckers, bro. All right? Phoenix Fitness. Go to the episode um, description or the link in the Instagram bio for bio for um phoenix fitness enter promo code wttp for 15% off all orders and finally welcome to the potty is also brought to you by bung bung coffee the best premium coffee out there this shit is clean energy you don't feel speedy you don't feel all jacked up you feel focused you feel nice you feel awake on this bung bung coffee it goes down like a fine whiskey you know this shit gets this shit gets roasted and stored for seven days before it actually before it actually uh, hits gets bagged up. Gives it some time to degas so you're not getting a bunch of CO two and big bubbles in your coffee. You know sometimes you make a you make a coffee at home and it's got like big bubbles. It looks like dishwashing liquid almost. Not not bang bang bean, bro. This shit is real life premium coffee. Get involved. Um, Bungbungcoffee.com to get your beans or ground coffee. And also if you wanna if you wanna get involved with the new merch, welcome to the potty's got new merch on the welcome to the potty website, welcome to the potty.com slash store, new merch, new merch, new merch. And let me tell you this, it is comedy yak. Uh false. Um <laughs> we were looking we were actually looking uh for, for this sound bite here. Easy money. It is fucking easy money, my friends. 
So if you want to get involved with a little bit of uh, welcome to the potty merch, this shit is fresh. This shit is clean. This shit is looking real sharp. Let's start the fucking show. Welcome to the party. Welcome, baby. Welcome to the party, bung bung. It's your man Claytron, aka the big boss man, aka the clumsy jeweler, because I'm always dropping gems, aka the milkman, because I always deliver, aka the PhD of podcasts and the Magnum PI of podcasts and the captain, the fucking James Dolan of podcasting, because I don't give a fuck about the haters, bro. <laughs> I, uh, I'm here, it is 5.30 in the morning. 5.30 in the morning uh, on Easter Saturday, I think, or Sunday. I think it's Sunday um, because I've got a guest today, one of my favorite comics, um, Ian Edwards. Um, I don't know how I, I got him on the show, you know. I got lucky, got very lucky. Um, so, yeah, man, I've got, I've got Ian Edwards on the show, um, fantastic comedian. You can catch him on the new Killing is Easy documentary about Patrice O'Neill. Um, you can see you can see some of his talents uh, secretly. He's a he's a writer on on a lot of on a lot of shows like The Boondocks, um, The Last OG, um, I think Undercover Brother Part Two. You know, <laughs> um, you you look him up on IMDb. He's his his credit list is is real long, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't know how I got him on here. And, uh, man, what, such a good guy. Had a really good chat. Had a chat with him yesterday as well. But the, the Wi-Fi was real bad. The connection was bad. So uh, we couldn't use it. And he actually, he's, you know, he's, he lives in Hollywood. He lives in Hollywood. That's why I'm up so early to, to do this interview. We spoke yesterday this guy, this is a busy man, and he, he, I was like, I can't use this, but thank you so much. It was great talking to you, blah, blah, blah. He's, and he's like, how about we do same time tomorrow? He, he said that, you know, not me. He, so he, you know, generous with his time and all that. I, I'm very grateful to, to have had him on the show. Um, and honestly, I, part of me still can't really believe it. So, um, yeah, man, listen, listen to this episode, uh, and yeah, go and go and look up Ian Edwards on, on YouTube or whatever and, and find his comedy. Um, and mostly, yeah, stream his comedy on, on the, you know, on Spotify and all that good shit. So, you know, so he gets, gets recognized for it. But he's, yeah, he's awesome. So much, um, you know, so much fun to, to talk to. And yeah, man, just, just have a listen to this shit and tell a friend to tell a friend, man. Yeah, after talking to you yesterday, because I didn't know you were uh, you were doing uh, the last OG, so I, I I binged like a season and a half of it yesterday. <laughs> uh, have you been on it from the start? No, no, that was just uh, I just did this season. Oh, okay. So we finished writing it, started writing it in November. Yep. Finished writing it like two weeks ago now, and they're in New York shooting it. Okay. Uh, what's so, what's the, um, the writing room like in, on like TV shows like that? Well, everything has changed because of COVID. Yeah, right. This is the first writing room that I ever did over Zoom. Yeah. Like normally you drive in in the morning, you meet in the office. And everybody like hashes all the ideas out in a conference room. This time we everybody just woke up like eight in the morning, did some errands like workout and whatever, have some breakfast, and then log in at ten a.m. Yeah, and then pretty much stay on till like four p.m. or sometimes a little bit past that, and we just going back and forth you got a writer's assistant in the zoom writing things down sometimes 
uh, when production is close and you say you have like 10 writers, uh, normally you'd like go split the writers up, send one to one room to work on one episode and another in another room to work on another episode. But so they did that in Zoom. They had breakout rooms. Yeah. And it was just like, so it was just everything that we do in person, we just did from my living room. And they, um, so they, they give you sort of an outline of what they want in the episode and then you, you, you. No, we, we create the outline. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we create the outline. Right. For the season and for each episode so that they all add up to the sum of the season. Right. Okay. And we come up with jokes and, you know, we develop the characters, any new characters or any older characters further. And you just, just build. Do you guys have anything to do with like the director or the, the talent at all? As writers? Uh, yeah, because we spoke to Tracy a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, when I could read the scripts and give his feedback and we'd have to address his notes because, you know, he's he's the one on set. You know, he's the one that pitched the show and came up with it. And then uh, sometimes we'd see some of the auditions for some of the different roles. Yeah. And give our opinion and stuff like that. Yeah. And so especially with someone like Tracy Morgan, who's very, uh, he's got a very specific style. Do you, do you write to the, to, to the talent? Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. And um, then, you know, he'll tell you that that's not how I would say that, or I wouldn't do that, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. While we're on that kind of stuff, uh, you, you were working on the boondocks. Yeah. Um, and what were you, the story editor or something like that? Editor? Yeah. Yeah, but that's just another title for writer. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, there's like, there's like different uh, levels of writers. So there's staff writer, story editor, executive story editor, then co-producer, then I guess producer, then supervising producer, co-EP, EP. So it's like different, like... Like, you know, you just ascend up the ladder of that. I might have, like, left out one or two or put one in the wrong place or something like that. But that's it's basically you just climbing the writing, the writing ladder. Okay. And because that was so culturally relevant. But there are the writing time. jobs. Yeah. Were you, were you guys, like, um, how, how, how quickly were you turning around content for the boondocks? Because it was, it was always stuff that was that was really going on at the time? Well, some stories last longer than, uh, than you, you know, it's some stories seem like, like I, I remember us doing the R. Kelly episode as the first one, mm-hmm. but the, the, the R. Kelly news story lasted like two years. Yeah, You know what I mean? So, you know, there was time to, you know, we, I guess we took a chance. That's what Aaron wanted to do. Yep. But, uh, and news, I think, kind of was slower back then a little bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you'd milk an event. But now it's like, what you got next? Yeah. It's like a king king eating a chicken bone. One bite, throw it away, grab it. Yeah, like especially with no the, digesting nothing. The attention span of of uh, the consumer these days as well. Yeah. Um. So I'll I'll go back over some of the the stuff that we talked on yesterday, just because uh, the the recording didn't quite work out. But mm-hmm. um. So you right. you were born in in London, Hammersmith. Mm-hmm. I did look yeah, up. I, I was- look up the accent today. <laughs> so it was like Hilarious. a soft, a softer Cockney sort of accent. <laughs> a softer Cockney. Well, thank yeah. God it wasn't full Cockney. You don't <laughs> want to go full Cockney. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you do? You listen to what kind of music do you listen to? Do you listen to any grime? I don't know what grime is. Like I listen to reggae, dancehall, yeah, hip hop, uh, indie rock, which is like white people's R and B. Yeah, I listen to R and B. Listen to. Uh, Rock, listen to hip hop, 
um, short uh, electronic music, okay, pop music. Listen to all of it, man. Everything. It's all fun. Yeah. And and what age did you move to Jamaica? Uh, when I was like nine years old, and moved to Jamaica from England. And where in where in Jamaica were you? Went to uh, my father grew up in Church Pen. Yep. And uh, that's in Saint Catherine, I think. Yeah, Saint Catherine. So first we lived there, and then we lived there for a minute. And then my father was working, got a was building a house. In Jamaica, it takes a while to build a house. Yep. Like there's houses there that have been being built that are have been built being built longer than my age. You know what oh, I mean? Wow. Like like every five years somebody will add like a block to the house or some shit. Okay. Sometimes they they start off real strong, like, oh, this one's gonna be finished fast. And then ten years later, the whole foundation and the whole walls are there, but no roof. Yeah. And they're just waiting to get some roof money. Yeah, but yeah right. he built a house in like in a Liba Gardens, which is in Spanish Town, and that we moved there. Okay, um, yeah. And then you you came over to uh, you said Long Island. Yeah, New York. Uh, when I was like seventeen. Seventeen, yeah. and uh, from what from what I've seen and read, you you were working at a Burger King. Mm-hmm. And um, you you then realized there was a there was a guy that was always making everybody laugh in there, and that you were like that's how mm-hmm. that's how I got to make friends over here is make make everyone laugh is that sort of how comedy started? Yeah, that's kind of how comedy started. It just started as like a way to be more social. Yeah, which was like you know, it's like you when you uh I moved around a lot, so I had to start over as far as like making friends, I'm 17 and I have no friends and every 17 year old around me had a ton of friends. Yeah. Cause they, you know, they still living where they grew up. So I got to start over again. It's like, like, you know, you trying to get your bearings in the country, you know, and then everything that you know, or everything that I knew, a, a lot of people couldn't relate to it. Like, you know, like soccer or, reggae music or just you know types of food so you have to learn all these things and meet these new people and uh have fun and give them a reason for for them to take time out of their lives to fuck with you yeah you know what i mean meanwhile because their their shit is already set so you just greg was always fun his name is greg gallus i still talk to him now He's a he's a DJ. He was a singer at the time too. Okay. And yeah, even had a song on the radio. We we're back at a Burger King working, and he has a he had a song on the radio at the time. <laughs> is he <laughs> so still out it. out there that way, or so what? Is he still out in New York? He lives in like Minnesota now. Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that was a weird time because yeah. he he was like like pursuing music, and he could definitely sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of music was he singing? Like, like whatever. It's like eighties pop okay. style R and B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg could sing his ass off. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he, he made a song with, you know, got some type of a deal, and they they played it on the radio for a little bit. Okay. He still, but did, did he didn't? He never went on tour. Or nothing. He's, he's in Burger King. Yeah, <laughs> on 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 fish fillets. Just we just back there, you know. Uh, what was the first? Did you do your first open mic at a club, or like where where was your first time on stage? Uh, Governor's Comedy Club in Long Island in Levittown. How did you go? Oh, terrible! Terrible! First, th- yeah. Do you horrendous. know what your first joke was? Uh, nah, because, but they were just, it was just a, a night where, so when I decided to do comedy, uh, in the area that I worked, mm-hmm. there was a comedy club. So that was a funny thing that I started working at Burger King and then I, 
I knew where the comedy club was because I used to work in that area. Yeah. So I, I guess, I mean, lately I've been like looking at all the connections in my life and realizing, oh shit, or seeing the connections or wondering why certain things happen. So Greg was funny and he kind of triggered the funny in me. And that happened at Burger King. And then where I used to follow Greg on Friday when we got paychecks, we used to go to the Tri-County Flea Market. And behind the cheap Tri-County Flea Market, it was a parking lot. And at the end, the other side of the parking lot was a comedy club called Governors. So I knew where Governors was. So when it was, when I decided I'm going to do comedy, I was like, let me go to some Governors open mics just to check out, uh, the mics first so i'd go to the mics mm-hmm. and the mics would have like you know sometimes five people in there sometimes 10 sometimes three and i'd watch like uh like the comics who were brand new like doing stand-up and then i decided i was going to do it one night and i made the mistake of telling everyone and a bunch of people from burger king came down and i bombed yeah and i was like i am never inviting anyone again i gotta get good at this shit <laughs> yeah. you can't just be like inviting people to your first show (laughs) (laughs) because when i walked on stage especially new yorkers because they're not going to even give you fake support (laughs) right right and i I, and i didn't deserve even fake support i was that bad yeah you know what i'm saying it's horrendous like i'd been watching those shows but i'd never gone on the stage and as soon as i got on stage the lights were so bright i couldn't even fucking it just took all my senses out. Yeah. You know, when you can't see, then you, I'm like, oh, snap. Now I know why the cops shine uh, lights on you when they pull you over. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it just uh, stuns you. Man, I heard that, uh, that story you were telling on Joe Coy's podcast about, uh, it was oh, you yeah. and Joe and um, uh, France. France. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, that shit. People, people don't understand that shit. I haven't really had too much of that in Australia, but when I was in mm-hmm. America, I got, I got the shit kicked out of me by a, a cop in Chicago. Oh, what happened? Are you serious? I was just, um, I, I brought a drink out of the bar and I had it on the street. Um, oh, and he threw me up against the car, uh, and told me to, to stay there with my hands on the hood of the car. Mm. And, um, you know, it felt like that Eddie Murphy joke where he's telling you to spread your cheeks and lift your sack, you know? Uh, uh-huh. And I'm standing there for, it felt like a long time. It, it might have been like two minutes, but it, it felt like 10 minutes. And I, I turned around, I took my, yeah. my hands off the car and I said, am I getting arrested? And as soon as I took my hands mm-hmm. off the car, he just started just wailing on me. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, big black guy. He's like, you're like, don't you hear my accent? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, I would have sounded as, as Australian as possible. <laughs> mate. Queens, Australia. Yeah. Mate. <laughs> mate. <laughs> so then what happened? So he, he hit you a bunch and then what? Um, And then I, uh, yeah, I got a, I got a fine for, for drinking in the street. It was like $400 or something. Um, uh, completely ignoring. He could have just told you, hey, you're not supposed to bring that on the street. Yeah. Like, he can tell by talking to you that you probably don't, you know, didn't understand that. But, yeah. Nah. Yeah, it was pretty wild. But And that was, yeah, so that was like maybe my, my second spring break in the U.S. was, <laughs> was you know, Welcome to America. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter where you're a big black guy from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually prefer the light in my in my face. I've realized um, when I'm to the when punches. I'm performing. Yeah, yeah, to the punches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take I'll I take a do. torch any day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but when I'm performing, like I I think I feel like it's easier when I can't see the the faces oh, yeah. of the crowd. You know. Yeah, you, you probably have to get past that. Yeah, because otherwise, I let <laughs> start, that ego start take looking over. At people and, are making connections with them. Yeah, I I start. I try to, I start end up, like I might have 90% of the crowd like dying and then I'll see one guy with his arms crossed and that'll be my focus for the rest of my set, you know? Yeah, that's comics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do that. Yeah. Um, And so 
you 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 always played soccer from from a young age. Obviously, like big sport in uh, the UK and Jamaica. And mm-hmm. from what I understand, you you were pretty good. I mean, from what I tell people, yeah, I was damn yeah. good. And but uh, there was no league in the US at the time when like you were at that stage where you could have you know made a decision to go in that direction. Yeah, there was no league, and uh, I did try like college, yep. like New York Institute of Technology. Like my sister was going there, so then I went there because she told me that they had a really good soccer team, which they did. They'd gone to the final four. Oh, okay. In the NCAA, uh, but the second division, but still they were a scholarship school. So I said, let me try going there. And uh, they have like a good uh, biology. I, I wanted to like do biology at the time. Yep. So I said, I can go there and then try to walk on and get a scholarship. But they had a bunch of players there from England that were like, just top class. Yeah. And uh, it was just like my high school soccer coach, like soccer, the the coach for the high school soccer team was the baseball coach. So you make extra money on the side being the coach for the sport that nobody wants to coach. Yeah. He he don't know nothing about soccer. So I'm playing with a bunch of guys who are pretty much unmotivated. We ain't got no plan. It's it's just like an after school activity. It's yeah. not like like it wasn't as serious as some of the schools that we faced. So to go from there to like a really super serious like environment like New York Institute of Technology showed me how far I was behind. I had a lot of catching up to do. So by the second season, I feel like I should have made the team. First season, no way. Yeah. But second season, I feel like I should have made the team, and and then. They didn't put me on the first road trip, and if and I was pissed, so then I just quit. Right. But I think I should have just stayed, and and I would have got on the team for the rest of the for the for the next part. Of, it was only the beginning of the season anyway. Yeah. And it was the first. They weren't take me on the first road game, so then I was just pissed at that. Because even the assistant coach was telling me, "Hey man, you're doing really good. You're gonna, you know," but uh, I was like, "Fuck it." Did you completely drop out of school or just quit the team? Just the team, just yeah. the team. So did you did you and, finish uh, college? Uh, funny, yeah, yeah. Because yep. the funny thing about the college is, like I was talking about like connections. So I went there to do biology because yep. I, w- I went up to the school because I went up there before because my sister went there. And I, they had like a, a medical dome and uh, I forgot the name of the dome, but I was like, oh, I could go here and study biology and shit like that. And I did. And then you had to take electives. And one of the electives, electives was a script writing class, which I didn't know that they had. Mm. And they, they had like a major communication program there. So I stumbled into a school that had stuff that I was going to end up really doing, but that's not why I went there. Yeah. So like, so they had communications classes with a uh, film, TV, like we'd shoot stuff in class. I'd man the camera, learn how to direct, learn how to write scripts. There was a great journalist uh, teacher there. Uh, like he he taught you the real deal. And then these are things that I got from college that I, I use like out here in, in LA. Yeah. Like I actually used some of that stuff, which, you know, when I started comedy, I didn't know it led to writing and all that stuff. Yeah. But for college, yeah, right. Yeah, I haven't directed anything. Okay, but uh, right writing, yeah. So it's comedy first, and then comedy, doing stand up. Sometimes a lot of TV shows, uh, like sitcoms or variety shows or late night talk shows. When they're looking for writers, they check out comics. And yeah. being a comic, somebody came to check me out one night and liked what I had. And then they asked me if I had any writing samples. And I said, yeah, then went home and wrote up a bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and sent it to them and then, and then booked a job, yeah. Okay. What was your first yeah. writing job? Uh, it was on Keenan Ivy Wayne's. He had a talk show after In Living Color. Yep. So I did that, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, 
and this so this is where everything sort of fell apart yesterday with the recording so who you mm-hmm. you you were doing comedy in Long Island and you're seeing these guys on TV and you noticed that none of them were in your area they were all in Manhattan you had to get to Manhattan um oh yeah so I was telling you yeah I was telling you yesterday you know so I told you earlier in this conversation that I started out governors on Long Island and I used to do governors then there was a club in Westchester. Then there was a club in Yonkers. Then there were clubs in Queens. And then when I used to get booked for gigs, it would be in Long Island, Connecticut, and Jersey, yep. right? And then I'd do the mics like in Queens or in Long Island. You know, there were like three clubs in Long Island, like East Side and Governors. And damn, what was the other one? Was it start with? It, it was in Mineola, Chuckles. Yep. And, and then there was Jimmy's Comedy Alley in Queens. So I used to do those spots. So when I started doing comedy, there were people doing comedy ahead of me. So they'd been doing it for a minute, and they were good, right? Yep. But none of those people were ever on the stand-up shows on TV, and that's when I realized. Oh, only the Manhattan comics are on those stand-up shows. So I was like, I got to get into a club in Manhattan so I can get on these shows. Yeah. So once I had an audition at the Boston Comedy Club for a TV show, right? Okay. And so I, but they wanted to see you do stand-up, and that night. I did the audition and I killed like really hard. Like I got like a standing O and then the manager, Barry Katz, he never saw me before. He was like, told me to keep coming back. And we spoke about management and he's going to be my, became my manager. He was Chappelle's manager at the time. And uh, so then that's how I got into my first Manhattan club. Right. And once I got into the Manhattan club, I never went back to the Long Island clubs. Yep. Like, I just dropped them. And I started doing one, that one, getting, like, maybe four or five spots a week. Then it branched out to the cellar, then to stand-up New York, to Caroline's, to some spots at the comic strip. And I just did, you know. So then then I started getting, like, TV stuff. Like, okay. stand-up gigs on TV shows, yeah. Um, I did what- Uptown Comedy Club. What kind of TV you got? You were on. You did Def Jam, Def Jam, Uptown um, Comedy Club. Because then you, like, you're where, you know, all the bookers were in Manhattan. Yeah. And for Def Jam, uh, Bob Subner, I'd go to places where the people who are booking TV shows were working at. So Bob Subner had a club in Jersey, so you had to do that club in order to do Def Jam. Or so that he would call you for the Def Jam auditions because he was aware of your existence. Yeah. If you didn't go into those places, like uh, if I didn't go to the Uptown Comedy Club and if they didn't know me as a comic, they wouldn't ask me to audition, then I wouldn't have booked it and got the role. So I just, I was like, Manhattan was the key. Right. And would you, do you think it's still like that now, even with social media and Zoom and, and all of that? Depends on what you want to do mm. because like there's, because of social media, you can blow up anywhere. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's what you do with what you have. We all have, you know, these things and we could do whatever we want with them and put ourselves out there. And there's agents looking for people who have a lot of following and they feel like they can make money from if they, so you know, agents come looking for people. Yeah. Did so, you? Did you have? Doesn't like, matter where you live. Yeah, I guess. I be, I believe that because a lot of people do blow up off of social media. But when, mm-hmm. with the industry being so heavily located in in New York and and LA in terms of like television, if if they see someone on on social media that's good or, or even great, it, mm-hmm. it's still easier for them to get someone that's 
maybe a little bit underneath them that's local. Do you know what I mean? If they're like close to that that same level of talent. Uh I don't think so. No? Some people well put it this way. So before it works a bunch of different ways. So some some people before you had to be in LA. Like I had to go to Manhattan. Yeah. For to for those people to see me to, you know, but like Jay Farrell, like yeah. when he got on SNL, he put out a bunch of from what I remember, like his impressions online and SNL saw him and then called him in for the audition. Yeah. Like he he didn't live in Manhattan. He lived, I think, down south or wherever he was from. Yeah. And that, you know, so you can get an opportunity, stay home in the comfort of your home. You don't have to like go to Manhattan, pay those high rents, and then struggle on the struggle for a long time to be seen if you can build a following before that. Yeah. And uh show business is gonna change now that the pandemic is over. A bunch of people moved to Austin. So and everybody realizes they can do shit from Zoom. And there's outside comedy clubs that got established during the quarantine. Yeah. So we don't know what's going to stay, what's going to go, and what people are going to run with. And what, how, I don't know how much the quarantine is going to change what we do, but we'll see. Yeah. How often are you getting up these days? Like once or twice a week. Yeah. Where where do you have like a local or um like somewhere where you, you usually get up? Yeah, like this spot called Jam in a Van. So a guy named Mark Mark Hayes is actually an Irish comic. Uh he puts on shows there and then other people put on shows there. So I'll do shows there. I've heard and of that. Yeah. Um and there's low key comedy. Your man uh Mike Rapp, he he's done that jam in the van. A couple of times. Yeah, yeah. A bunch um, of times, yeah. Have you seen have you seen what he's going through at the moment with KD? Yeah, yeah. I just was looking at a little <laughs> bit of it yesterday. Yeah. I thought I thought it was uh I thought it was all a joke at, at first with the first video that came out, but then like yeah, it started getting real foul in the DMs. <laughs> yeah. KD. Yeah, KD went hard. Yeah. He's, he obviously doesn't like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man, he's he's so sensitive. Like obviously, <laughs> having burner accounts and all all that shit. But who, Katie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a it was that was from a burner account. No, no, that was from his real account. But like yeah. he, you know, he's he had burner accounts and he he got in trouble because he accidentally tweeted um, something a while back, defending mm-hmm. himself as as a fan, <laughs> but it was from his own account. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, that, that's wild. He got got a fifty k fine for that. He got that. Yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing to him. No, no, nothing. He's he's got to be close to to a billionaire at this point with all his. He was out there doing investing and stuff in Silicon Valley when he was with Golden State. Yeah, he might. Be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now, did you did you ever have did you have like a morning process? when you were leaving, like you had to, you kind of stopped playing soccer or did you just, you kind of moved on straight away? Uh, I kind of moved on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always played, like it's been a huge part of my life. Like when, when I stopped playing, like, like in colleges, I was always in like some little weekend league. Okay. And having fun or have a group of friends that I played with. And when I moved to LA, like one of the best times of my life was like just playing soccer. Like we used to, I found a group that's, and again, like I was talking, I was working on some show and somebody who worked on a show, told me about a bunch of guys, a bunch of dudes that played. I think at the time they were playing at a, let's just say it was Fairfax high school in on Wednesday evenings. Mm-hmm. So I just heard about them, so I just went over there. Sure enough, they was there, and the guy I was working with, he was a PA on the show I was writing with, so we we played with them. And then I played with those guys for like 10 years after that one day. Oh, wow. And we played three times a week. 
and then it's the it was a nucleus of a bunch of guys but then on saturday a different bunch of people would join them and on sunday some of the same people from saturday but some other new people from sunday would join yeah. and then on wednesday it's them and then whoever could play on Wednesday. So then we just all, and those guys are still playing. Wow. And a lot of them was like behind, below the line, like uh, workers on like movies and television shows, like cameramen, uh, one guy that invented slam dance or created slam dance, the festival that plays concurrently with uh, Sundance. And oh, okay. Another homeboy, Kenny, did you just tip me today? He was like a DP. Some other guy with that. That was this good, fun group of guys. That I just, you know, one did graphics for NBC. It was just, uh, it was just, uh, and and there were like French people, Italian people, and English. And Are there any other comics? Eastern, Eastern European. There's one comic from the comedy store. He used to come with me there and play. A little bit. His name's Francisco Ramos, and then Mars used, to, you know, Mars Jabrani. Yeah. yeah, he plays soccer. Used to. So then I went with him and played with his uh, Iranian friends once. Yeah, okay, a few times. Yeah. If you had to put together uh, a a uh, comics soccer team, who who would you start picking up? Ten years ago, it would be a better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody's old as shit now. Yeah. I would pick. <laughs> But you know who used I played with Judah Freelander before he came oh, yeah. and played with me. Yeah, and Judah can play. Or he used to be able to play. Yeah. I I loved his um the the special he did with the, the iPhones on Netflix. Oh, okay. Um uh, yeah, I forget what it was called. Something something about America, the best country in the world, or some best worst country in the world or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's funny. Funny um, title. I uh I had like I was telling you yesterday, we had the, the Fringe Festival in Adelaide um, last month and I went out and played played pickup with um, a bunch of comedians. And basketball or football? Uh, basketball. Basketball. And um, they they were trying to they were trying to think of someone that I would that I would match up well against in uh-huh. just like in the Australian scene. And yeah. then uh, they said do you think that there's any comics that could that could beat you one on one? And at this state, like, I don't know if Blake Griffin counts as a comic or not. <laughs> I, I, but I feel like he's the only one right now. <laughs> yeah, he's a, yeah, he doesn't count as a comic. He kind of, but if, yeah, if we had to send a representative. Yeah, it would be him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know there's a few guys that um, that say that they play like Santino. Santino said he was pretty good. Right. Um, I never seen him play. Yeah. I d- there used to be a, like a comic a comic store, a uh, comedy yeah, store. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how good those guys were. I never yeah. went to see them play. I was, there's no way I was going to see <laughs> go watch a bunch of dudes that need to work on their comedy go yeah. play basketball. <laughs> yeah. So was that just like yeah. a once a year thing when they were doing that? Now they had a league. Oh, okay. And I don't know who was in the league, but they had a league. Yeah, yeah. I'm too. I'm too scared so, to get back into competitive. I, uh, once I saw Segura go down, I was oh, like, yeah, "Shit, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can." That's why I stopped playing too. I was like, "Oh, you could get hurt and then be out for a minute." And I, and I always had like ankle problems. Like I like twist my ankle for like, and I, I wouldn't be able to. I'd just be limping around for like a month. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And yeah. you know you don't want to go on the stage with with crutches or or you know a moon yeah. boot or something. It's it's too distracting. Or just playing three days a week, and I'm not getting paid. Yeah, no recovery time. I ain't young. <laughs> and I one day I saw this old man walking across the street, and he just couldn't move. And I was like, damn! If back then I could like feel like the bones in my knees rubbing on each other when yeah. I played. And I was like, I got to tap out because I want to be able to cross the street when I'm that dude's age. Yeah. So then I was like, let me just, let me just stop. Yeah. I mean, I, even when I walk my dog, I come, I come home and I need to sit down for a while because my knees are all mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. 
But the, the, the funny thing is, so I thought I was going to have like these huge major knee problems. I, and my knees ain't the best, but I just started like, even though I'm vegan, I was a bad vegan. So I just started eating just better. Yeah. And like less inflammatory foods. Like, and then just my knees feel better than they did like even 10 years ago. And do you, do you cook most, most nights? Do you like, you hear? Yeah, because of the pandemic. Yeah. 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 I was like, I always wanted to like cook, but I was on the road. Yeah. So I just always ate out. But then when the pandemic hit, I was just like, it's just time to just watch these YouTube videos and, yeah. cut, you know, make some meals. Yeah. Uh, Pre pandemic, were you, were you like a road dog or because obviously you've got all your riding work as well? Are you usually on the road? Do you do a lot of touring? Yeah, I was touring. Yeah. I was like, I had a, 2020, I'd been to Australia already. Like, I went oh. to Australia with uh, Tosh, and we did some shows in, like, three cities. Oh, wow. And then I was supposed to come back for the Melbourne and the Sydney Festival. This year? I mean, last, oh. in 2020. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, everything slowly started just getting canceled. Yeah. Cause the, the last Festival's time was at right the Melbourne now. festival. I played, that's, that's probably last time I played soccer, like being a bunch of comics. Yeah. Like went to the park like three times and, and played some soccer guys and girls. It was fun as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. What, what, what were you touring? You were touring Ted, um, uh, Ian talks before the pandemic, or was that? No, nah, I, I I was uh, I was using Ian talks to tour, yep. but I was working on a new special. Yeah, okay, yeah. And is did the did the pandemic ruin that special? Like, are you are you going to continue with that material that you weren't able to? Yeah, some of it is still good, but yeah. some of it, some of it is still good, but some of it you can't. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel but like I have new material based on whatever happens anyway. So yeah, but I feel like a you know some some guys if they didn't get the opportunity to to record a special, you know, might be tired of that that material. Even if it if it's still relevant, they may not even want like feel like using it. Do you know what I mean? Like once you sort of get over your own jokes, it's hard to to bring life to them. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, the the bad boys of comedy. Did you did you get to meet P Diddy? Uh, did I meet him? Yeah, we said hi. He seems like he just have the such an intense um vibe. Uh, he didn't have to for that. Yeah, all he had to do was show up. Like you know, he set you know it set up something. He has people that run it. He delegated, so you know he just had to be there to do the the Russell Simmons role. Yeah. You know? Yeah, right. Just just with Def Jam, like, you know, Russell hired the right people, so he didn't have to, on the day, like, be running around and doing shit. Yeah. You know? And the uh, the Patrice documentary, Killing is Easy, has just dropped recently. Mm-hmm. And you, you were pretty tight with Patrice. Yeah, yeah, you sort a of, homie. You guys... Uh, were you, did you guys come up at the same time or like you you sort of just in the same scene at the same time? Uh, it's like I was telling you yesterday. So once I got to Manhattan, mm. that's when like Burr came to town, Patrice came to town, uh, Rogan came to town, and uh, people just started moving to New York to pursue comedy in New York. And that's where... I met Norton, Keith Robinson, Wanda moved to New York, mm-hmm. Wanda Sykes. And we all used to perform in the same clubs, Rich Voss, hang out after, eat lunch, do the same colleges. And so then that's, you know, and regulars at the cellar, sitting at the table, talking shit every night. Yeah. And then I left and I came here because I got the writing job. But then when Patrice would come to LA or I'd go back to New York, We'd hang. Yeah. And <clears throat> you you talked on the 
the documentary about his his honesty as a comic. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, um, do you feel do you feel like he had a like another level of honesty compared to everyone else? He just yeah, compared to most people I know. Yeah, he was unwilling to to bend and or break for anybody. Uh, I, I mean that's got nothing to do with honesty. It's just. He's just being honest, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's like, you you told me something yesterday about being with comics now for you. And and how tall are you? Six, seven. Six, seven. So you represent the guy that beat up some of the comics that you're with now in high school. Yeah. Like you, you just look like that guy. Yeah. So then they might treat you a certain way. They might treat you like the guy that beat them up. Yeah. Or you might come off that way without even trying Mm -hmm. because you're physically. So, you know, Patrice saying no, being a big loud guy, people just might get intimidated by that. Yeah. You know, like, like that cop you told me about, he's probably, intimidated by your size so he's jumping on your even though cops will beat up a black woman it doesn't even matter yeah sometimes but you know you you moving he just jumped on you it's just he's just assuming you know so it's it's just it's just a combination of things, you know. Yeah, he's a funny guy. He wants to be honest. He's being honest about his life, so he's going to be honest about yours. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's harder to be honest about yourself. Yeah. Do you <clears throat> you uh, t- uh participate in Burr's benefit? Uh, that yeah, it does yeah, every yeah. Year? I did the first one. The first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you did a you did a show last week. Uh, at the at the Rose Bowl with with Burr yeah, yeah. and Spade. Who else was there? Uh uh Nicole Amy Schreiber, Laura Bites. And I I didn't get there at the beginning of the show. Okay. So when I got there, Spade was on, then it was Burr, then it was me, then Nicole Amy Schreiber. Yeah. So and that I was didn't see who opened up. That was uh people were in their cars or on their cars. How was that set up? Most people were in their cars and some people in the front were standing outside their cars. Yeah. Uh, set up like a little picnic area. So there were some people outside their cars. Yeah. And you said you like you like prefer the open air venue. Yeah, I don't prefer like the car ones. Yeah. Like the car ones normally they don't have the intimacy of like sitting in a room with people or sitting outside with people. Yeah. Like people are listening to the jokes on their radio inside their car and you can't connect with them as much or hear the laughter as much. You just have to like trust it, but there's nothing like feeling it and seeing it. So yeah. I like a lot of the outside shows that have like chairs yeah. and people are just sitting outside under some nice ass lights and this can be just as intimate as a comedy club. I had some really good and a lot of fun doing some of these outside shows. Yeah, I I just felt like the um out, out, because it was a festival and there was a lot of outside venues um at mm-hmm. the Fringe Festival last month, it um there was t- there was so much noise bleed and the mm-hmm. I felt like the laughter would just sort of evaporate. So if I felt like um it was hard to to pace jokes because you you had to sort of guess when the laughter stopped or if it happened. Right. I mean, listen, man, it's two years in, right? Is it two? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just going to be tougher. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you got you got so much to learn. Yeah. You know, like. So you know, this is just a great opportunity to get like all these different experiences under your belt and like figure out how to deal with them better next time. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, for sure. even for media tonight at that drive-in show, I feel like I could have prepared more, especially knowing that people are going to be in their cars. I probably needed to be tighter and go over that set more. Yeah. You know, and. 
uh, I, I had a decent time, but I could have had a, a better time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, do you do you have a charity that you like to support or a favorite charity? Uh, I've uh, the Innocence Program. Innocence Program. Yeah, yeah. Take this down now. I, I play a game with all my guests on the show. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Sourced Unsourced. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just basically true or false. And I got five questions for you. Uh, $10 per question for the Innocence Program. Um, mm-hmm. So sourced is true, unsourced is false. And these are all Burger King themed questions or statements. Uh mm-hmm. Now, Burger King was founded in 1953, sourced or unsourced? Mm. Let's say sourced. Yes, sourced. Uh, So that's $10 for the Innocence Program. Burger King was first called Insta Burger King, sourced or unsourced? Unsourced. Uh, It was actually sourced. Uh, The original owners bought the rights to a grill called the Insta Burger, and that's why it was Mm. called the the Insta Burger. No, the Insta Broiler. So it's called the Insta Burger King. Oh, so you didn't even give me the right answer. You did. So no, it was called Insta. It was called Insta Burger King, but they it was because they bought the rights to a grill called the Insta Broiler. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Innocence. I'm trying to get that money back. <laughs> uh, Burger King once offered table service. Shit, anything's possible. Uh, sourced. Yes. Um, Burger King headquarters is in Chicago, Illinois. Sourced or unsourced? Hmm. Let's go sourced. Uh, unsourced. unsourced. It's uh, it's in Miami. Mm. And finally, That's hilarious Miami. <laughs> if you'd have said Miami, I would have still said unsourced. Yeah, yeah. I would never think there's too yeah. many bodies down there. It's too too much partying to be done <laughs> to be getting any business done. No wonder Burger King is not as prominent as McDonald's as it used to be, and it's like been slipping. They're partying <laughs> in Miami. Yeah, no time. Uh, um, finally, Burger King in Australia is called Hungry Jacks. Sourced. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. I've seen. I've seen that. Yeah. Why is it called Hungry Hungry Jacks? I, Why I, are you okay? I don't know because there's there's actually like there's a few Burger Kings around the country. Um, mm-hmm. But then in those in those cities, there's still Hungry Jacks as well. So I, I'm not sure what the deal is mm-hmm. there. All right. Yeah. But, um, all right. So that's $30 for the in- innocence pro, uh, program. Was it? All right. S- something. Yeah. It's better than nothing. I'm not, you know, I'm not make, making yeah. <laughs> big money doing this. So. Uh, um, yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for coming on though. Really appreciate the time, no and you know, there's a little bit of fucking around. So I appreciate you st- still being able to come on. Um, it's all good. What What are you doing at the moment? Do you have um, anything to plug? Uh, just uh, my the Ian Talk album is available like on Sirius and Pandora and all those radio mm-hmm. outlets and uh, Spotify. Listen to it on Spotify. Spotify yep. and. Uh, and uh, what else? Follow me on Instagram at Ian Edwards Comic mm-hmm. or on Twitter at Ian Edwards Comic. Yeah. 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 We'll chuck your um, your socials in the episode description as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So everybody go and, go and listen to uh, Ian Talks and, and follow Ian on all of his social media. And yeah, thanks again for coming on. All right, fam. Yeah. Really all right, my pleasure. It. Glad we finally did it. Yeah, yeah, it was good, man.